1: It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. I hope you're having a great day so far. My day is about to get so much better because I get to hear about what I have not done well for you in today's Clark Stinks segment. Krista gets so happy when we get to do Clark Stinks. Also in this show, I'm asked so often about buying gold. Do you want to do an Austin like Powers? Like gold, line? yeah. And so it's something that people don't know the various ways you can buy it, and we're going to talk about that. So you have strategies that if you want gold to be a hedge, to be part of your portfolio, how to get it done. So. Without further ado, it is time for
0: Clark Stinks. I should
1: have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should
0: be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: Maybe you're right, pal.
0: Okay. Okay. Julie says Clark stinks worse than my son's P.E. shoes after being in the locker the entire school year. I've actually know what that smell is. And that's pretty, pretty awful. Why won't Clark take his aura ring and Garmin watch for a walk up the stairwell to cruise around empty cereal box buildings instead of taking the elevator to the next floor? I refuse to believe Clark has all these gadgets just to ride an elevator floor by floor to amuse himself over empty office space. He needs one more device that would remind him to take the stairs. Again, that was Julia.
1: Julia, thank you. Okay. So Julia, you were playing in my ears before I heard you speak because just yesterday I was walking the stairs in a high rise and sometimes it starts to bother my knees. I don't know. Why the down, not the up mm-hmm. bothers my knees, but I like walking upstairs because I have long time. I think it's mild asthma. My asthma doctor says I have a moderate to severe asthma. So I love walking because everything I can do to improve my breathing. I also do all the deep breathing that I learn in yoga. And so stairs are something I actually enjoy walking.
0: Thanks for your podcast and newsletter on the best credit cards. Why do you always talk about city double cash card? This was my go-to until I got my Alliant visa and you don't talk about the Alliant visa. It gives two and a half percent cash back up to $10,000. Plus it has zero foreign transaction fees. Even at Costco, I get two and a half percent cash back. What do you have to say, Mr. Howard? Ooh. And we recently talked about two yeah. and a half cashback cards, so I thought. This yeah,
1: was- so the Alliant card is something that we have reviewed at Clark.com. It's something that I do talk about from time to time, and you're completely right. There is, It's like a brain freeze that I don't talk about the Alliant Visa. It does have the $10,000 monthly cap. You have to do business with Alliant, but as long as you're happy with all that, it's great. Love listening
0: to the podcast, but on a recent episode where Clark was talking about avoiding high gas prices or airfare, he forgot to mention something important, public transit. In cities that have it, using it can save you bundles. In addition, many great cities abroad and some here have great systems. Some cities you won't need to rent a car at all. Aram.
1: Isn't that funny? Because we, we talked the, about the public recently. transit option. I just, I just don't do it regularly because so many of our listeners live in places that public transit is not an option, but I am a regular public transit rider. I'm even learning how, uh, because we spend a lot of time in New York now, I've really learned how to ride New Jersey transit to get over the public bus, to get over to Walmart and Sam's Club, because everything in Manhattan is so expensive. So I go to Jersey on the bus. And
0: Google Maps makes it so easy. If you use Google Maps, you just choose which route you want, walking, driving, public transit, and it'll tell you exactly what buses or trains to get on and how when they're arriving and stuff. So, it is way easier than it used to be. You extolled the use of a TV antenna. While I agree with your points, you left out any reference to using a DVR. For the most part, this ability is not available unless you are very tech savvy. During the fall and winter season of new shows, my wife and I use the DVR to record them on concurrently or at times we're not home. Some streaming services offer this, but few people could figure out how to schedule and record true OTR shows. We actually used a cable-provided stream device at a much lower cost than standard cable TV. And that's from Clay.
1: Clay, thank you. And yes, it's been true for a long, long time that the DVRs for over the air are not easy to use. There are people who, whenever I've said that, say that's not true. You really can with just a little bit of time. You got a hard drive. You got the device and you can do it. Um, I find it more complicated. Most people want to just plug and play. And and an over-the-air DVR is not that. It's not easy.
0: Clark doesn't stink, but he missed a possible alternative when advising on how much long-term disability insurance coverage someone should have. If provided by the employer, often the employer will give the option for the employee to pay the disability premium post-tax as a payroll deduction rather than as an employee benefit with the costs covered by the company. With using this employee paid option, any disability benefit ultimately receives becomes tax-free to the policyholder, and as a result, 60% disability coverage can quickly resemble full salary when adjusting for taxes." Typically, the premium paid via the payroll deduction is fairly small and makes sense to manage the risk. I love your show and never miss it. Many thanks, David.
1: David, that is a great suggestion and uh, one that I have not thought through, and I thank you so much for pointing that out. You recently
0: talked about having a second email address for commercial purposes. In the same podcast, you mentioned migrating from an old provider-based email like AOL. I'll have you know, AOL is not dial-up anymore and works just like Yahoo or Gmail. When setting up my commercial account for online orders or retail store use, I chose an AOL account because it is quick and easy to repeat to a clerk. Brenda.
1: Brenda, thank you. You know, we use uh, an AOL address for certain things here with our company in addition to our own company email addresses. And so your point is valid. And AOL as an email service is free. And easy to use. In fact, we started using it because there were some functions it was easier to use than using the dominant ones like Gmail. Mm -hmm.
0: Clark, the stink has been festering for a while on this one. You keep returning to the popular but lazy idea that we've just collectively become more angry and aggressive drivers because of COVID. And that's what's causing the increase in vehicle deaths. Clark stated, we've got these cars that are so much safer. We have roads that are safer and we've thrown that all away. Here's what you keep getting wrong. We have not made roads safer. We made them even more forgiving to driver mistakes. This is a subtle but profound difference because ironically when drivers feel like they're on a dangerous road, say with narrower lanes, they actually drive much slower and safer. It's the same idea of moral hazard and protective gear in football that I'm sure you know. So get it straight, Clark. We've been designing safer feeling, but increasing dangerous streets in America for decades. And for a while, tremendous innovation in vehicle safety let us get away with it. That's from Chad.
1: Chad. Okay. So uh, I didn't tell you this. I had a traffic engineer come up to talk to me about this as well. And he said, all right, I need to explain to you, Clark. It was like, it was like I was going back in the classroom. And he said, So there's all these things we're doing because people are driving these faster speeds and we're painting narrower lanes and we're putting in objects that make them think that the road is narrowing in front of them. All these things to try to force people to slow down because as the road feels more and more open, what do people do? They just drive faster, creating ultimately more danger. So I've now heard that in person and now in Clark Stinks from two different people.
0: Hi, Clark. On one of your recent podcasts, a listener had a question about their Chromebook when it reached its end of life and will no longer receive updates. There was a company called Neverware, and they wrote an operating system called Cloud OS. Google owns Neverware now, and the OS is now called Chrome OS Flex. It can be installed on Chromebooks that reach the end of life so that a Chromebook can live on with a supported operating system. And they gave us the web address. So we're going to post that at Clark.com. And again, that's from Jimmy
1: in Mobile,
0: Alabama. Thank you, Jimmy. This
1: is why we do Clark Stinks. And this is why we ask you to be a member of Team Clark. Because I'm just a guy and there's so much stuff going on. And I'll miss part of the picture. I won't know about something. And this is exactly the benefit. We all learn from each other. And that's why I love it. And, you know, the Chromebook obsolescence thing is such a poor strategy by Google. And if they look at their rival, Apple, and how Apple is supporting their laptops longer and longer and longer periods of time, Google really needs to rethink this. But it's great that there is this workaround. I appreciate that. And I appreciate all of you posting. And If there's something you've heard me say and you go like, huh? Did he just say that? Let me know where you feel I was thick-headed or missed part of the picture because it does help so much. And straight ahead, I know that my uh, comments about gold have been really complicated over the years, but I want to tell you, gold is really, really, really something people are looking at right now. So how do you make gold part of your portfolio
0: Kroger, fresh for everyone, fuel restrictions apply.
1: It's such a hard thing when you try to figure out how to spend your money that you're putting aside for the future. And you don't want to be in the straight jacket of just stocks and bonds, the classic standard portfolio. And you want to look at alternatives. By the way, when I talk about stocks and bonds, I'm not talking about stocks and bonds directly, although there are people who do those. I'm really into being in index funds, exchange-traded funds, ultra-low-cost ways for you to really diversify your money in those two orbits of stocks and bonds. But there are a lot of other things. There's owning real estate various ways. And I've tried to explain over time investing in real estate where you do it through a fund rather than owning a piece of real estate itself if that's not practical in your life. And then the alternatives. You know, the last few years, the biggest pandemic puppy in the world has been Bitcoin and all the cryptos. That's a tough road right now. And as I've said from the very, very beginning, years and years ago, The underlying architecture of having an electronic ledger is so much a part of the future, and it deals a lot with the vast inefficiency we have because of how the banking sector controls the flow of money around the world and how that harms economic growth around the world and the enormous advantage having this kind of non-bank platform. But the platform The underlying thought process of having an electronic ledger, a digital ledger, is different than what's gone on in the last couple of years with all the speculation in the latest crypto and people looking for something that would climb to the sky and beyond, into the solar system, even into the galaxy and beyond. And then what's happened so often, something goes up too fast, it can crash really hard and we've seen that with all the cryptos and so people were looking at it as as a can't lose alternative investment and people even sold a lot of their traditional investing in stocks bonds and real estate to go into the latest hot crypto well that has fallen apart one of the oddest things in the market historically when stocks and bonds are going into a descent, you have the reason people will hedge with gold as an example or silver or precious metals is because they tend to run opposite what happens with stocks and bonds. But what happened with crypto, it not only trended down with stocks and bonds, it did so at a much faster rate because there was a lot of question about the underlying economic value of some of these cryptos. And so people who thought of crypto as a modern replacement for having a hedge and having something like gold and silver and precious metals, well, they got burned. Remember what I've said about crypto, that the purpose of crypto is as a payment platform of recognized value. Crypto has not behaved as a a readily used payment platform as a way to exchange money, yet it will eventually. And the other thing it hasn't done, it has not held a value that you could trust, not just from year to year or month to month, not even day to day or hour to hour. So it's in very early infant stages. It is not something you should think of as even a speculative investment right now as people have found out the hard way because most people who've ever invested in crypto, the overwhelming number have lost money. Gold on the other hand is something that I see value for or precious metals as a portion of where your investable money goes as a safe zone. Gold other than making jewelry doesn't do for the long term what stocks do. That's a proxy for companies that are putting money at risk, making products or services people want. Gold is just a store of value. And when people get worried about how countries are managing money, gold can go up in value. When there's war, gold can go up in value. And having 3 4 5% of your money in gold or precious metals, I think, is fine. Never, never, the entire orbit of hedging should never be more than a dime of every dollar of money you have that could be investable assets. Now, I know a lot of people who really don't trust the world want to own actual physical gold, have possession of actual physical gold. And that paints the picture of a world that is so dire, so dark. So what's that word it was so in the TV shows? Dystopian? Dystopian, I think. Dystopian. Dystopian. Thank you, Krista. My brain has trouble going that far out where everything's gloom and doom and we're all hunger gaming kind of thing. So having gold as part of a world that may have troubles from time to time, but not the end of the world kind of thing that would require that you have the actual physical gold. And if that's how you feel and you want to have the physical gold, go for it. But otherwise, my thing is you buy gold through an exchange-traded fund or its cousin. You can buy, there are, there are many very low-cost ones now where you can own gold and... You can buy and sell it at will. You don't have to worry about storing it. You don't have to worry about it getting stolen. Any of those things. I have a very simple short guide to how you do that at Clark.com.
0: It's cousin is the ETN?
1: The ETN, Exchange Traded Note. Um, And we explained that in my briefing on gold at Clark.com. But the cost of doing this, historically was unusually high for an ETF or ETN. And there are still some players out there that charge relatively high expenses, but it's gotten cheaper and cheaper and cheaper with the number of players where you're paying very low management fees. I want you looking at a quarter point a year or less in overall management fees. And you got down there, you're in a good position buying gold. But remember, gold is not an investment. Gold is just something to deal with uncertain times and to give more uh, room for your portfolio to deal with when times are bad rather than when times are good. Real money is made in productive capacity of the creative, gutsy, individuals, and companies here in the United States and around the world who create new value by the ideas, the products, and services they offer. And that's not what gold does. But if you want to have gold, go check out our gold guide at Clark.com. And remember, don't go too overboard buying it. And for all the crypto people that are permanently mad at me, go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. And post away. Krista?
0: This is from Sue in Oregon. I just read a disturbing article in Bloomberg titled, Americans are building vacation home empires with easy money loans. It's about selling risky mortgages based on a volatile per night Airbnb income. This sounds like a get rich quick plan that is beyond risky. What really concerns us is how and what this might do to the housing market and the economy. I would love to hear your thoughts. And no, as a Clark Wise listener, I am not thinking of doing this.
1: Okay, so the Airbnb thing as an investment. So there are people doing very well, particularly in vacation-oriented settings, with Airbnb rentals. I know some of those people. The issue has become, and this first came on our radar probably about 2017, that in uh, resort communities and in individual resort developments, that Airbnbs or their equivalent, VRBO, were being banned. And so people who bought properties based on a financial model of it being a short-term rental, when short-term rentals are no longer allowed, you're dead. Uh, I know a woman this happened to, Whose business model was all working based on Airbnb. And then, when that was no longer allowed in the condominium complex, it was over. And so, the business model before you buy one needs to be based on the math working if it does have to default to a long term rental. Otherwise, you're taking on too much risk. Where's the housing market if it weakens? any appreciable amount, where's that going to happen? It happens in vacation home communities, not in primary home communities. That you think through history, I'm not talking about 2007, not talking about what happened 15 years ago. Even historically, if people get into any kind of financial fix, they'll hold on to their primary home and the vacation home they have, that's what goes. And that's where the softness happens. That's where why vacation homes tend to have values that go up at far higher rates and fall at far higher rates than primary homes. So you're right. People, Sue, who've done this in second-home communities face double risk that the short-term rentals are no longer allowed and that the home values do, in fact, the, during the next recession – do in fact fall some degree.
0: And from Cynthia, I recently relocated to North Carolina from Georgia, and I was wondering if it made sense to change my two children's 529 plans from Georgia to North Carolina's. Their ages are five and two and have about $1,000 in each account. Should I do this?
1: No, in this particular case, no, because the Georgia plan is actually a superior plan to the North Carolina plan. I spend a lot of time Um, and now have assistance from one of our writers at Clark.com going through plan by plan of all 50 states. Uh, There's only 49 actually have 529 plan and come up with the good plans for you to look at. And I categorize them from Dean's list with high honors on down. And the Georgia plan is actually one of the better ones in the country. So I would leave your money in there. Now, North Carolina Um, if they offer a state tax deduction that's only eligible for contributing. They don't have one in North Carolina. There's no in North Carolina. So there's no point in you doing a North Carolina 529 plan. And in fact, if you're trying to decide whether you keep contributing to the Georgia plan now that you've moved to North Carolina, or you might find you want to go to one of the ultra low cost plans moving forward, leave the Georgia money behind, and go into one of the ultra-low-cost plans that I have and being what I want you to do in a 529 plan is stay in the age-based portfolio or they may call it expected year of enrollment or something like that. Those are my favorite version of these 529 plans. Anytime you have to deal with the salesperson to buy any 529 plan, it's a disaster for your kids' education. The expenses are so outrageously high for commissions and expenses. Whenever there's a salesperson involved in a 529 plan, you know, run the other way as fast as you can, like at the speed of an Olympian, run away from that 529 plan offer.
0: Adam in Ohio says, my wife just accepted a new job with an employer offering a Roth 401k. However, after reading through her benefits materials, it appears that it is through an insurance company. The actual target date fund she will be investing in is managed by a normal financial company. Will the insurance company likely be adding fees on top of the normal fund expenses? I know you would typically advise taking the match and contributing the rest into a Roth IRA, but is there ever a point where someone would be better off without the match and all in on a Roth IRA?
1: This is a great question. So, Usually, an insurance company provided 401k will have uh, overall expenses that are 10 to 50 times what one of the low cost 401k providers would be, which can significantly erode the security you'll have in retirement. The company has to disclose to you, Adam, what the costs are in your wife's or disclosed to her, what the costs are. but it would not be at all unusual, for the costs from an insurance provider, when you add in the expense ratios of the funds that she would be invested in, target retirement fund choice, and the insurance company layer of expense after expense, not be all unusual for her to be 1.5% or above all in, which is way, 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 way too high. The effect of that is in retirement versus a typical low-cost plan, She'll end up usually with somewhere around 40% less money in retirement, having put in the same amount of money as other people. So that's why the core is to find out what the overall expenses are. Now, if this particular insurance company is not stacking on expense after expense after expense, I'm looking at the fund itself, and the fund is way, way, way high compared to what you would normally want to pay. So in the case of hers, and I want you to look at the whole plan document, what you normally would do is you put into the employer-provided Roth 401k up to the match only, and everything else your wife does, Adam, should be in her own Roth IRA with a low-cost firm. And I want to thank you so much for listening, and you heard me twice go really negative with an insurance company being involved in a 401k. You heard me before be really negative about certain 529 plans. And I hate to have to be, I'm such an optimistic person. I'm such, uh, I look at the world unusually optimistically just, that's just who I am. And then you hear me go so negative about stuff like this. And it's just because in investing, what we don't know can hurt us so much and in the investing world you have these situations with these ultra 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 high costs and massive commissions and you can end up going backwards you can end up after many years like so many school teachers do with less money after 30 years of working and putting money into a 403b plan ending up with less money at the end of the road than what they actually contributed because of all the endless junk fees so it's important for me to tell you this is how the game's played and you work hard for your money. You want to work hard for your long-term security and that's why you hear me set off a five-alarm fire bell every time it comes up with these kind of plans that you got to know where the snakes are in the grass. So have an absolutely wonderful day today. Thank you so much for being part of of listening to our podcast and I hope our next podcast also has information for you you can trust that helps you fatten that wallet